When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the Vigilant Sports Spacers podcast. I'm Scott Agnes, sitting in a conference room at Bankers Life Fieldhouse. I'm joined by Eddie White, the Pacers Director of Corporate Communications. He's also the host of the world's greatest post-game show, a.k.a. Pacers Overtime Extravaganza, um, following every single Pacers game. Eddie, thanks for joining me here today. It's always a pleasure to uh, get together with you and chat and schmooze and yeah. talk about the world's problems. I've been wanting to do this following this London trip and talk mm-hmm. all things about London and why the Pacers took part in it. So let's start there. Why would it benefit a team, a franchise, to go over to London and take part in a Global Games event like the Pacers did for the first time in a regular season contest? There are so many um, answers to that one singular question. It's almost like an eight-layer chocolate cake, you know, that everyone is, Sounds is good. important and good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, the first is right or wrong. Uh, we live in a world of, of sports marketing where everyone's trying to build a brand, grow a brand. You're trying to do that with Vigilant. Uh, your station's trying to do that. Pacers are trying to do it. Colts, the city of Indianapolis. Everyone's trying to expose their brand to as many eyes and ears that are out there. So right out of the gate, to take your basketball team to a venue like that, a country like that, on a stage like that, is is a win. Then you're partnering with the NBA in this unbelievable initiative to grow the sport of basketball. Uh, it was only last year that our own Quinn Buckner and Chris Denary went over to Africa uh, to call games uh, on behalf of the NBA. Commissioner Silver has a vision, as did Commissioner Stern, that this is a global game. We all recognize the world's most popular sport uh, is soccer. Uh, soccer can easily be played uh, in countries where they have no money. Uh, kids can manufacture something that resembles a ball. It could be a can, and they can kick it, and they're playing soccer. And the view is that basketball could be the sport that challenges soccer. Maybe never get to one, but certainly be two uh, to be a global sport because all you need is a ball. And you can pretend a spot on on a roof or on a shack is the hoop, and you can shoot, and you can pretend you're playing basketball. Um, so I think the, the initiatives of the, the, the previous commissioner, the current commissioner, the NBA itself, USA Basketball, Jerry Colangelo, uh, the World Basketball Organization is to do what they can to grow the game. So when you can take what is the best league of professional basketball players in the country and take them over to another country and say, hey, here's the best of the best, and they're playing a game that counts. That's pretty good stuff. I mean, the NFL has done it. The NBA has done it now. And, uh, you know, it would be like Manchester and Arsenal coming over here and playing a game that counts, you know, in New York or in Columbus, Ohio, or Chicago or whatever. So I, I think for, for many reasons. And then when you internalize it or bring it into here, the, 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 the companies that, that are partners of the Pacers that really are the companies that help make Central Indiana move, Eli Lilly, 
I mean, they have operations in Great Britain and in, in Scotland. Oh, that's across cool. The board. So you, John Lecklider, uh, who's still the, the CEO and going to be retiring soon of uh, Eli Lilly, he's on the trip. So he's over there. He's networking, touching base with the, the uh, employees of Eli Lilly who came from in Great Britain, who came to the game, strengthening bonds, uh, relationships. Uh, there were other companies that were there. Jonathan Nally uh, from St. Vincent. Um, we had uh, Ed Benash, our friend from CNO Financial. And there were other guys that were there that uh, that had companies that uh, Karen Ferguson, Fusen from uh, Gannett uh, was there that, that have relationships with businesses and employees over there that relate back to here. And those bonds are important. And you know, yeah, we live in a day and age where you and I can do FaceTime and all this other stuff, but it still there is it still doesn't beat sitting at a party or in a room face to face and talking about common issues. You yeah, know, those one-to-one interactions are priceless. It's priceless. I mean, the, the, the communication is, you know, we live in a world with iPhones and i this and i that and sometimes young kids don't communicate. Uh, throw all that stuff in the garbage and just go and have lunch and look somebody in the eye and talk to them. That's communicating and i think those type of sessions were had on this trip and i think it benefited not only us exposing the brand helping the mba and these business relationships our community and then like i said i'm I'm working on my eight layer cake here then there's this quest that we have which would benefit this community tremendously is to bring an all-star game to central indiana to indianapolis and it was important for the nba to see this Pacers organization that is still from the day it got into it, never left it, committed to the WNBA, which is an important initiative for the NBA. Pacers are right there, right? We have the fever. All these other NBA teams have let their WNBA teams drift away, not us. We're committed to the NBA. We're committed to the WNBA. We're committed to doing all the initiatives that the NBA and commissioner has in place, and he sees this community, this guy, this organization. It deserves an all-star game. I think we're going to get it. And this trip to London uh, was really important as we move uh, towards getting that decision made for us. It's annoying, though, to start a trip and you guys are delayed by a couple hours. I think that was due to weather or the plane not getting here. Yeah, we uh, we got out there to uh, Indianapolis Airport. They told us that the plane had not arrived yet from Canada. So there was a slight delay. But, you know, I think my experience, because I went to London almost 30 years ago with the Miami Dolphins, and that was for a preseason game. And there's something to a trip like that that allows a group to grow closer together. Now, somebody could argue, wait a minute, mm-hmm. they, they, they may go on, a, like right now, we're on a, a three-game road trip to the West Coast. Well, what's the difference? Well, there is a difference. Uh, this case, there was one game. Uh, so you were there for a few days, whether you were touring or doing some stuff. But most of the players, not all, had either a friend or a family people. And it allows everybody to be together, you know, whether it's a breakfast together or it's the dinner that night together. And you build that bond. I mean, and it's funny because you just, even the game we had the other night, our first home game from the trip, I saw spouses of players that now we nodded each other or waved <laughs> yeah. or said something about London that we didn't have said, we wouldn't have had that communication before the trip. And there's something to that. There are people, I won't mention who they are, but there are people that now have come back and go, you know what? I really like such and such, you know, and, and, and I didn't know such and such, and boy, I really like them now. So I think a trip like that, there are some, some benefits that come with it, just the genuine 
hanging out with somebody and getting to know them. It's almost like I, I'm one of those people that believe that you know you spend four and a half hours or so uh, on a golf course with somebody in a cart. You're going to know a lot more about them than maybe if you spend two weeks with them you're having lunch every day because you see how they react when something goes wrong or something goes good and are they humble or they whatever. And I think the more time you can spend with somebody, uh, the, the better you have to be successful, at least to have a great relationship. And I think with this team, it's a different dynamic being – a lot of them are grown up, so to speak. They're more turning towards their 30s. They have wives. They have kids. So from a player standpoint, Jeff Teague was talking about this before their first road trip in November, is they kind of needed something like this because Thad goes home to his two kids. LaVoy Allen goes home to his twins and wife. And so they, with a younger team, they might go out or might go bowling together or might just go back to one of their houses. You don't see that as much, I think, with this team. Well, I think it's good because, you know, if you look – arguably our two best players maybe three are in the category you would content you would call young you know even though paul has a kid you know miles is young and goes home to mom and dad you know they're they're young (laughs) so i I think it's important for those guys to see how an al jefferson or thaddeus young or, or the older players act you know, um, and, you know, and, and, and grow as, as mature individuals. I mean, we all try to grow every day. Uh, so I, I think it was a very good mix uh, for the young guys to see how the old guys uh, handle themselves on the road. Mm-hmm. And um, it was just, it was a very good. Tra- I mean, the only thing that went wrong was the, the game. I mean, you know, you, you would like to get a W and uh, you would like to play better. Uh, but, you know, you just, we got smacked in the face there that one quarter and you just, that was such a, a, a a deep hole to get out of you just you know with the nba you covered for a long time now you understand it they're just nights you just you're going to get killed i mean with cleveland the other night when they, they were down by what 40 or something the golden state i mean holy smokes it's gonna happen but uh you just wish it didn't happen on the stage like that with all the you know all the stuff that went on with it right. but uh but i think it was a was a for many many reasons it was a valuable trip for the organization how'd you kill time during the eight-hour flight um, well, on the way over, they tell you to fall asleep, you know, because then you I, wake I took up a and bunch it's like 9 a.m., right? Yeah, we landed at uh, 9, 9.35, went right to the hotel at breakfast, and then went on a tour. So you got you, you to gotta, you gotta make that change. So they said when you get on the plane, don't watch, friends of mine told me, don't watch movies, don't eat the food, just try to fall asleep. So I had a couple glasses of wine, tried to fall asleep, and did a decent job at it. Uh, and then on the way back, it's the opposite. You want to stay up uh, and because you're going to land here and it was um, uh, 6 o'clock at night or 4.30 Friday afternoon. And I came right to the office because I did a, a, an interview with uh, Jonathan Nolly for from St. Vincent for uh, Pacers Weekly uh, around the house. And uh, so I had to come here to you know set it up to send it over to, to the station. Um, and they went home and tried to stay up. I mean, kind of Saturday was a little bit normal, but uh, but but so I I I read a lot of stuff on the way uh, back from. So you sleep on the way over and read and stay up on the way back. Did you have one of those? I don't know what they're called, cots or whatever. We saw the players in where you can stretch oh, no, your legs all your way those, out. That's the way to go. I mean, yeah. Years ago, <laughs> but that's when I went to St. Andrews. Oh God, fifteen years ago, I did that. It wasn't first class. It was like the next one down, business class or whatever. And that was great. You can you can sleep pretty well. But uh, we were fortunate that the plane was big enough that we were we were able to lay across like four seats. 
and put oh, the okay. things up. So it was great. I mean, it wasn't like <laughs> flying commercial where you're jammed in there like sardines and you got a guy on your right and a girl on your left and you can't move. We were able to lay down across the, the four seats and, and uh, catch, some, catch some Zs. So it looked like the first couple of days, individuals on the trip, one caught up on sleep or they tried to adjust a little bit. But then sightseeing went mm-hmm. on perhaps tour buses. I know they're called a little bit coaches. different over they there. They're called yeah. coaches, yeah. Yeah, you documented it for Pacers.com. Uh, what did you take part on that that opening couple of days touring I, around the city? We saw that they, there were some fascinating things. There's a Winston Churchill's uh, like office during the war. It's in a bunker, and everything is kind of – the same as it was back then. It's amazing. If you were claustrophobic, you you couldn't make it. And uh, and just the history, it, it, it blew me away. As we, we we toured like Westminster Abbey, and you know, we saw a big band and, and stuff like that. But when you go into Westminster Abbey, and they're showing you some of the people who were buried there, and you see Sir Isaac Newton, Sir Isaac Newton, Chaucer. I mean, you're like, wait a minute. These people, like, this is like from a long, long time ago. Sure. And the thing that blew me away is they're showing us this 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 wooden uh, throne and that it's used when the new queen or king comes in or whatever. And so, so you immediately sat in it? No, no, no. It's secured <laughs> and uh, you can't get near it. And I'm looking at this thing and a lady tells us that it is um, uh, 700 years old. I'm looking at it and I go, wait a minute. That piece of wood is 500 years older than the United States of America. Now, we sit there and go nuts when we go to Philadelphia or D.C. and we see a monument. We go, oh, my God, look at Abraham. Oh, my God, look at how old that is. This chair is 500 years older than the United States of America. It's amazing. And then, you know, I was blessed a couple years ago to, to go to Rome, and you see the things that have been there, you know, for ages and ages and ages. The amazing thing is the quality. The stuff that, you know, we build a house nowadays. Seven years from now, it's it's falling apart. Over there, they got right. stuff that's been, this, this, this chair, 700 years old, is in better shape than something we can go get at any store. You know what I'm talking about? And um, it was just remarkable to see the the oldness of the stuff. And, you know, you go to the Tower of London and you see where, you know, King uh, Henry VIII was beheading people and, and doing all that stuff. And uh, just the history of London. I remember when... Um, when I went to London the first time with the Dolphins, I bought a mug when we were leaving. It's funny, I couldn't find a T-shirt or a mug or a magnet or anything this year or this trip with it on there. There was this phrase that said, when a man is tired of London, he is tired of life. And I bought that mug. I still have the mug. And uh, and it's true. I, I think London is one of the most fascinating cities. Um, you know, you, you really want to get anywhere fast, you got to take the tube underneath which is amazing. When did they build the tube? I mean, the city's old, and the, and the, and the streets all go, blah, 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 and it takes you an hour to go 20 miles because of the traffic and stuff. But they have the tube. Why can't we have a tube? If we have a tube right now from downtown to, to Carmel, it'd be great, you know, or out to, to the Speedway. Can you imagine if you can get on a tube at, at Monument Circle yeah. and had it direct out to the track, you know, and it just ran? I mean, it would be unbelievable. I would love one that would go go to the Speedway, yeah. stop in Broad Ripple area, yeah. then go up to Castleton, Absolutely. and then into Carmel. I mean, London did it. New York, which is old compared to us, but younger compared they have one. Don't we have, like, trenches here? I mean, just put a couple – all you need is a north one and then a east-west, and everything goes about the circle, have a train station. And uh, I, I think, it, I, think uh, I may have to run for mayor and throw that out there. Eventually. Yeah, I'll bring a tube to uh, central Indiana. My <laughs> God. Then then the I think it was Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. 
Kensington Palace. Oh, that was spectacular. Ooh, everybody dressed to the nines. Yeah, you know, that's which where everyone um, enjoyed. What's his name? Prince Harry lives there. And um, that was one of Princess Di's favorite place. In fact, um, when we were touring the one room, um, it had a lot of her stuff in there. And uh, it was really special. And there's a garden that we saw because we were there at night. But you could see this body of water. And they told us that, that that's where they're building. Her sons want to build a, uh, a statue or a fountain or something to her honor there on, uh, at Kensington. And it was just, I think, two days later after we were there that Prince Harry brought the girl that he's dating, I think she's a Canadian actress, to Kensington Palace to meet with uh, Princess Kate, uh, Prince William's wife. Uh, That's the first time they met. He wanted to run okay. the, the girl by her to see if she gave a thumbs up, and she did. And it's kind of weird to see. That happened two days after we were there, but uh, it, it's it's amazing. I mean, there's a, there's a, uh, like, I guess it was, it's been like a, what we would now call man cave, but it wasn't a cave. It was a room, like, up on the third floor where they had all these card tables back in the day. Uh, you know, I was, you know, me being goofy, Eddie, I'm asking the lady, is this a euchre table or what is this? <laughs> and uh, where can you smoke cigars? Goes, oh, the back in the day, they did smoke cigars there. And uh, it was like the room where the, the men would go to play cards and hang out. And so it was like the man cave before they had man caves. Um, but it, it was Kensington Palace was unbelievable. And, uh, you know, we went down to Buckingham Palace, saw the changing of the guard, which is amazing. There are so many things. There's so many great museums. Mark Boyle, of course, one on his own on the Jack the Ripper tour because he's fascinated <laughs> by Jack the Ripper. And okay. He's into mass murders and stuff like that, but typical Boyle. But he, he enjoyed that. And, um, you know, just, just seeing the, the, the different parts of the city. The amazing thing is how you can you take this modern tube uh, – wasn't it closed down while you guys were there the there whole time? It was the first day they were on strike. So that meant the traffic. In fact, the day we got in, that's where the traffic was horrendous, that it was closed. So people had to either drive their vehicles or take cabs. And so the traffic, which is normally brutal, was even worse. So you guys in your coach. We were in our coach. Buses. That's right. Not a bus. A coach driver driving the coach. It's not a bus. Exactly. Uh, it took us a while to get to the hotel. But the one day we went to um, out to Arsenal, to the stadium to get some stuff because uh, that's our that's son's cool. favorite team. And it's amazing when you see the, this old neighborhood. When I say old neighborhood, we're talking old, like 600, 700-year-old. And right in the middle of it is this spaceship stadium. You know, it's, uh, I mean, it's like when, when they redid uh, Soldier Field, the people in Chicago said, wait a minute, what happened to Soldier Field? The spaceship just landed. That's what it's like. I mean, you're in, you're in old London town. And there's, boom, the stadium. But it's like that all over the place. I mean, you know, you have all these soccer teams, football teams. Over there. These phenomenal, yeah, <laughs> yeah. these stadiums. Uh, and they're like 20 miles from each other. You know, they got 50,000 seats, 20 miles from each other. And, and they're packed. I mean, and it's a... Uh, Their passion it, for it's, that sport It's incredible. amazing. The footballers and uh, the rugby and the cricket. And, uh, you know, they do follow basketball a little bit. Um, they, they, rarely, they, they appreciate the... European influence on the game. I mean, and the NBA was smart. They brought back a lot of uh, John Amici, who's from London, played at Penn State. Uh, a lot of former uh, NBA players with European backgrounds came back, and uh, they got the greatest hands, you know. And, and uh, Paul George got a phenomenal ovation when, when he was introduced. He, he definitely was a global uh, icon. Uh, but it was uh, – you know, anyone who, who has a chance to – again, I'm somebody that I don't like – 
international travel. You know, I'm a small town guy. To me, international travel is Epcot. You know, where I can hit China, Israel, and Italy in the afternoon and watch Sports Center that night and have a hot dog. Uh, that's fine. But I'm but, picturing you making that journey over there nearby towards the British Open and all that several well, times. Well, having said that, th- then I think of the, you know, I've been fortunate. We went to Germany. We, when I was at Logo, I thought we took Troy Aikman over there to, to Munich or München, as they call it. And it's fascinating to see the cultures. And then, yeah, I, I, w- I was in St. Andrews, uh, played, which was interesting. Bucket list item right there. Oh, it's yes, any golfer. The interesting thing is it, it rekindled my, my nightmares when we were in England is because they drive on the other side of the road and the steering wheels on the other side of the car. And when I went to St. Andrews many, many years ago, I didn't know that, but I flew into um, Edinburgh and had the drive to St. Andrews, really a two hour drive. And they said they run a car for me and stuff like that. And I didn't know that I was on the wrong side of the road and the steering wheel and I had to drive. And I thought you needed an international driver's That'd license. That'd be a difficult I adjustment, I think, for oh, a two-hour drive. No, I'm hitting – I went, I went from, like, city to country to highway to, like, city to little town. And I'm hitting curbs. I'm hitting yaks and goats. <laughs> and, um, you know, you're trying to and – then, yeah. and then when you drive, when you get in the little city and out there they have 8 million roundabouts, well, you're going the wrong way in a roundabout and you're on the wrong side. And you're looking the wrong side, you know, because it, and it, it took, I'm surprised it didn't kill somebody. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm shocked they didn't, but, uh, but, uh, th- but when you tour like that, and then uh, a couple of years ago, I went with a bunch of guys, we went over to Ireland on a, on a golf trip. Now we had a, we had a coach that drove us all over and we kept our clubs on the bus and we played all over Ireland. But when you look and you go to Ireland or you go to, to England or you go to Germany, or I went to Rome or we went to China and, and uh, Taiwan, um, it is a small world. It's a small world where, where, yeah, we come from different cultures. We speak different languages. We may look different, whatever. But you know what? People want to smile. They want to be happy. They want to be entertained. In this case, they saw the Pacers and, you know, their eyes lit up. I mean, you know, we have the, you know, Kristen Aaron, I don't know who buddy is, who he met, you know, who's a pilot from Dubai, who watches Pacers games at 4.30 every morning. Uh, you know, we ran into you know, the, the guys that visited us this season from London that are Pacers fans mm-hmm. that came over here. Of course, they're there. So I did we, a podcast with them. one-on-one. Yep. Aaron Emer. Yep. And then, and then w- w- before the game uh, uh, in London, I'm walking around with Little Slick. I had Little Slick bobble. I'm taking pictures of Little Slick all over. And I hear somebody yell, hey, Eddie White, Pacers overtime. Look, and it's four of our season ticket holders. From Indiana that, nice. that made the trip over. And, and it's just, it just, you see all these people together, and uh, it was just, uh, you know, sport. And I think the, the original ideal of, of the Olympian movement, I think now it's gotten out of whack a bit, and, you know, it's, it's, it's become corrupt, like, like the World Cup, where countries are buying with votes, you know, to get the Olympics to their country and stuff like that, which I, I, I don't like. But I think the original idea of the olympics where you bring countries together you know the war stops and we compete and we compete on 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 the on the court or on the field or whatever the pitch whatever you want to call it um you get that feeling when you are somewhere that's foreign to us you see our game you see our team we see we see them but we're in a foreign land and you see the reaction of the people my god 
that guy from Lincolnshire who's losing his mind is not unlike the guy I'm going to see a week from now from Beach Grove who's losing his mind watching the same player do the same thing on the court. There's something that's cool about that. Fans go to games and often look. The great thing about the NBA is you might go to a game and see something you've never seen before. Mm -hmm. For instance, Thad Young's dunk the other night. Mm -hmm. People got giddy about that and the reaction from the bench that we saw from the Pacers. Mm -hmm. George Niang's always doing those type of celebrations. Mm -hmm. Those are lasting memories that those have, and and you're absolutely right. Come, Come Olympic time, the cool thing is it doesn't matter your beliefs, all of that. Everybody joins in looking for their country to just excel and go go win big. And the thing about the Olympics, I think what um, I think is great is that you, yeah, we all want to win. That's why you play to win. But you realize, Digger Phelps used to say, you weren't born to go undefeated. And when you figure that out, you have a chance to make it. You know, we all want Indiana to win the NCAA basketball championship. At least Hoosier fans do. Purdue fans want Purdue to win. Notre Dame football fans want Notre Dame to win national championships every year. Fact is, Notre Dame, with a great history, great school, hasn't won a national championship since 1988. Indiana hasn't won a national basketball championship since 87. Seven. It's a long time ago. Uh, but that doesn't mean you give up. That doesn't mean you don't root for your team. That doesn't mean – I mean, it just shows you how hard it is to win a singular championship. And it should be It should be nurtured. It should be It should be treasured. I mean, people go, well, Peyton only won one, and they only went to two. He won one, okay? <laughs> when I moved here, I was I, – I, when I first moved here, my God, the people would be, be 330 uh, on a Colts game, and they're tied, and people be leaving the Hoosier Dome. I'm like, where are they going? Oh, I use on at four o'clock on Channel Four. Like I get home and watch the Hoosiers. I mean, I mean, so I mean, you, you boy, you has that changed? You can't win everything. I mean, and I think you, you you hope you can compete. You give your best effort, and I think if that's what if that's what your team delivers, then that's great. That's why I am in the minority uh, about what happened at the end of the last regular season Colts game when Andrew Luck celebrated through the touchdown pass. Was all happy. I love that. And I've had friends of mine and people say to me, oh, that's ridiculous. It was the season's over. and again, No, 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 no. You do not understand. First of all, the game wasn't meaningless. That game meant a lot. There are people, they always say, play every game like it's your last. There's a couple guys who played in that game. It's probably the last NFL game they're ever going to play. And to win it in that dramatic fashion, if I'm investing emotionally in a team, if I'm investing financially in a team, buying a ticket, I want a team that's always going to play hard, that's always going to give me an effort, that's going to give me some thrills. And if you're a Colts fan, to win that game like they did at the last second, I don't – it was awesome. Yes, it didn't get them in the playoffs. It didn't affect standings or whatever. But it was an awesome ending. They didn't quit. And that's why you compete. That's why I think – I go nuts when, you know, media people will, will, will you know, flippantly make a comment on Twitter or whatever about, you know, a team lost or whatever – if you compete and you try, the other guy, like Coach Holtz used to say, the other team gives scholarships too. Okay, they're trying hard too. Great lines, and, and you know, and not everybody. Win. I mean, when the New England Patriots were undefeated and they played the the New York Giants in the Super Bowl, if they play fifty times, I really believe the Patriots win forty eight, maybe forty nine. But on that one Sunday in Phoenix, Arizona, Glendale, really, um, right. the Giants played better. So if you're a Patriots fan, and then they did it again in Indiana. 
at, at the at the Super Bowl here. If you're a Patriots fan, you you're, are, are you like, Belichick got to go? He blew it. To, can't beat Tom Coughlin. Can't beat him. You did have Belichick. He choked. Man, he was undefeated. You compete, my friends. You compete. So you know what? I I I am one of those guys that I don't like to jump on coaches. Uh, I don't like to jump on people because I, I think I know how hard it is to to win a singular game uh, when the other guy's trying as hard as he can be. The greatest uh, winner in golf, the, the greatest golfer of all time, is Jack Nicklaus. And you look at how many times he finished runner-up in a major. It's unbelievable. It was like 21 times, 19 times. And every time he finished runner-up, some of them were crushing. Uh, he was the first guy to shake hands with the other guy and say, hey, well done. You, you got me today. And he understood it. You know, I'm not going to win every major. And as long as I compete and do my best, yeah, it hurts. I mean, it, it hurts for a while. I mean, when you think of, of how close you came and, I mean, look at the Seattle Seahawks, right? If that knucklehead doesn't throw the interception at the goal line against New England, they win that Super Bowl. They probably ride that momentum last year and maybe get back, right? And maybe this year. But he throws the interception. They don't win the championship. They don't win it last year. And then they got beat this year, right? So that's three years now without a ring. And a team that – so, I mean, that's why when people start going nuts, I mean, look at the Buffalo Bills. Haven't been to a, a playoff since 17 years. You talk about franchises being due. Yeah. <laughs> They're yeah, one of them. Yeah. The, the, the Niners can't get anybody to interview for any of the positions. I mean, so there, there are there are situations all over the place that – so that's why I think our fans in Central Indiana, I think are great fans, but they should be really – I've said this many times, uh, even when I was on the radio. We have a phenomenal group of ownership in, in our city. I mean this. I mean, I've been I'm, – I'm old, okay? I've been all over the joint. I've been with cities where I know owners are only committed to making more money, uh, that and owners that don't care. But in this city, where you start with with the Simons, and where is where isn't their name? Whether it's on the bike share, whether it's fighting cancer down at Indiana, what Herb and Mel and Freddie, those three brothers did, and now all their children giving back to the community. Of course, keeping the Pacers here, having the fever here. I mean, you can go on and on and on and on. The Ursay family and what, what Jim has done and, and starting with his dad, bringing the team here, winning a Super Bowl, again, commitment to the community. The Holman George family, what they have done over all those years. The Schumachers. I mean, you know, we, we, sometimes we forget the Schumachers, but the, the, the Indians, they've been here for a billion years. And they could, I mean, so you look at this, this group of four, and there's other teams I know, but this group of four, I don't know if there's a city in this country that has four ownership groups that committed to its city, its fans, and then to each other, like collectively working that, together. That is one thing I think is really cool. Right? Because you know there's a lot of cities where the, the teams don't like each other. Yeah, or they they, kinda, they think of them as competition, yes, too. Yes, exactly. If they do go to a, a, right. the football game, well, they're not coming to our basketball right. game, so we got to steal them away. Yeah. No, here it's, you know, it, you know, after a gold medal, Paul George and Tamika Ketchings featured on the video board at a Colts game. Absolutely. Or Robert Mathis is courtside. And the Pacers are presenting him a jersey, and everybody gives him a standing mm -hmm. ovation. That's one of the great things about the indie sports landscape, in my opinion. Well, look at the Super Bowl. You, you had that. You had all the cars for all the teams in the NFL. Okay, so that's the, that's the IndyCar, you know, helping promote f uh, the Super Bowl in the city of Indianapolis. 
Look at our building, Rick Fusen. You know, he was out there on the street, you know, helping out with the steers. He's, the, he's the, the big kahuna with the pacers. He's on the street, on Georgia Street, with the, with the zip line and stuff like that for what? To make the city better, to make the Super Bowl the best it could be. And you're right. I mean, the Colts players, Pat McAfee, Robert Mathis are here. And I know for a fact there is a great relationship between uh, the Ursays and the Simons. I know when the Colts won the Super Bowl, uh, they gave a ring to Herb and Mel. And when the Fever won a championship, they gave a ring to Jim Irsay. And, uh, and Herb said, I promise I owe you one. I got, I got a patience one coming for you. And, uh, but the, it, it's real. And, and I think it's important to remind your listeners and the fans of Central Indiana that this isn't the norm. You know, don't take it for granted. Uh, this doesn't happen in a lot of cities. You don't have ownership groups that are this committed to central Indiana, to people, to helping out. And a lot of stuff, those four groups I mentioned, they do a lot of stuff that's under the radar, you know, that's not done for publicity purposes or you don't see it out there. It's just done because it's the right thing to do. And you got to trust me, you don't see this a lot in a lot of the other cities that have sport. And uh, we're very, very lucky to have the groups that we have uh, here in Indianapolis. It's a perfect segue on the Eddie White Show here to move on to what we saw with NBA Commissioner Adam Silver across the pond in London. He was there. I know he was probably schmoozing with you and with Steve Simon and Herb Simon. Were you seeing those conversations kind of take place just off the cuff, just uh, catching up and because a lot of people may not realize Herb Simon's the longest tenured owner mm-hmm. in the NBA. That's notable. Mm-hmm. And he had his son Stevie with him and uh, Rick Fusen, of course, very active in the, the quest for the All-Star game. Uh, they were part of a, a media uh, deal that Adam had, and uh, they were privy to you know some private meetings and some you know VIP parties and stuff like that where discussions went on. And, and I think Adam Silver's um, – he, he, he said it at the, at the press conference in London that he views Herb as a – as a mentor, kind of, uh, because ever since he came into the league, Herb was there. And there are a lot of owners that have come since Adam's been in the league, not just as commissioner, but, you know, working for David and as an attorney and whatever. So he is he's, – he's always seen the Simons, it, always. He, he doesn't know an NBA without the Simons. And uh, so I think he has a great appreciation that uh, they do it the right way. Uh, they're in a mid-market, small market, whatever you want to call it, and uh, and continue to you know support the, the NBA through what is the WNBA. I mean, how many NBA teams have had WNBA teams and no longer have them? I mean, we're going to let Houston, whatever, but several, whatever, many, and the Pacers stay committed. Yeah, and many I, of the teams right now th- that have, for instance, Chicago. Mm-hmm. You might think because they have a WNBA franchise. Well, that's not the same ownership. Exactly. Same in LA. Yeah, and the Pacers uh, have been committed. You know, since they. They started the fever. I mean, they, 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 this is this is it. I mean, and I think that the league knows that. I think the league appreciates that 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 there's some real um, support from this organization. I think, in the eyes of the league, the Pace organization uh, has great respect. I mean, they, they look at the Pace organization; they get it. They do it the right way, and um, and that's that's valuable. And, and I think um, you know that can only help our community. I mean, we really want this all-star game. It would be just another feather in the cap to central Indiana. I think we'd knock it out of the park again. I think it'd be spectacular. There's so many great things we can do. And uh, that's, that's our goal. I mean, our goal is we, of course, we want to win as many games as we can this year, get in the playoffs and see what happens. We get the fever back. I mean, it's going to be weird 
you know, without Tamika catching. Very. Uh, very strange. But, um, you know, uh, it, it's just uh, – it, it's I like when you hear uh, Adam Silver uh, or any of the top people at the NBA talk about this organization, they talk about it with great respect, and that's pretty cool. Last thing I did want to hit on with you was that the trip over to the arena, several of the, the, the Pacers party – Went by ferry, by boat, whatever you want to call it. Were you, were you part of that group? Oh, yeah, yeah. What was that experience like? A different way to get to the venue? Well, because like, the bus took over two hours. It looks like it was the best way to get there. Because <laughs> bus one took um, an hour and 45, and then bus two excuse me, took uh, two hours. And But we had a group with our, our, uh, our guests and business partners and ownership, the family, uh, and – to their credit, Mark Boyle and Quinn Buckner said, we want to do that. I mean, we're, we, we, Mark said, I've only ever gone to a, a game on a on a team bus. I've never done this. So we took a, a short bus ride from our hotel to the the Thames River. You know, is it the Thames or the Thames or the Thames, whatever? And uh, I don't know if it's Thames River or the Thames. I don't know. Out there, I think they were called the Thames, but it's the world famous. And we get on the boat, and, you know, we're flying by – Big Ben and Parliament, and it's like any James Bond movie. You've seen this. James Bond's been on this water. And uh, cool. the thing is, it was unseasonably cold. We had snow. We had some slush. And they never get snow over there, so it was really weird. Uh, and then we docked and walked up. The, the arena's right there on the water. And, and it was night. And, and again, it, it's snowing and slushing, which they don't get. So we've got umbrellas. We're trying to get in. And they have these things uh, coming across that I didn't know they had till we got there. Um, what do you call it? The when you go skiing, the lifts. Never been skiing. The slip. You know the, okay. the, the, the what do you call it? snow yeah. lifts? Yeah. You get on. You ride these little things, gondolas, whatever. You you ride them up to the mountain. They had these gondolas, whatever thing, coming in like over, like high in the air, coming in, dropping people off for the game. So That's people were coming awesome. by tube, which is the best way to go. Come by taxi. Drive their own car, come by coach, not bus, uh, come by boat, which we did, or come and buy the ski lift, gondola, whatever the heck it is in, in the sky there. And I, in fact, I tweeted, a, I videotaped it or Instagram or something and, and put it up out there. And it, it, was, it was amazing. I mean, it was just um, all the different ways you can get there. And then to see that atmosphere, you walk into the O2 arena, and boom, first thing you saw was this big, gigantic cardboard cutout of Jeff Teague. You know, and I forget who the Denver player was. I wasn't even paying attention. And, you know, they had this big thing where you can buy jerseys and stuff. And it was probably 50 people deep. And um, and then they had all these restaurants. Of course, you walk five feet, and the first restaurant you see is five guys. Like, okay. <laughs> yep, the world right. is small. We're back. It is small. Where, am I in Castleton, or am I really at the O2 Arena? Um, but it was, uh, you know, it, it's just um, – it was amazing to do the, the – the boat ride down there, and uh, and just the the whole thing was um, was a great great trip. I mean, uh, I think uh, it was worthwhile for the franchise, and I'm just so blessed and lucky I was allowed to to uh, tag along and hang out. One more thing before I let yeah. you go, because your your history was in, in marketing and shoe business and that whole thing. Paul George overseas with the team in London. That's where he, Nike and his CAA reps decided that's where they'd launch. The PG One, his first signature shoe. What'd you think about that? Doing it in London, a place he had never even been before. Rather than say in the states or the teams in LA this week. One one thing I learned working for Reebok and then Adidas for twenty some years is that Nike's very smart, and uh, they were competitive of ours. I still have friends that, that work there, and uh, now I can wear Nike. 
Uh, in fact, I'm wearing Nike today. And the team uh, will switch to Nike come this summer. And they switch, yeah, absolutely. Um, I uh, great respect for Nike. I think when it comes to marketing, they're incredibly good, and they have visions uh, that that I, I I don't know where it comes from. But uh, you know, they they want it. They've been very very good for many many years of building uh, personalities. I mean, starting with Michael Jordan and going forward, uh, they know how to market, and um, I think they view Paul as as one of their future icons and um you know it's great for us because it, you know, any dollar that nike spends on promoting paul george is also going to help because paul george is our paul george and so it helps the pacers so i thought it was a great idea to do it like they did and it was phenomenally received they had great crowds uh you know i mean it, it's it, it you you what you find is you know is all of great britain enamored with the nba no you know, there's just you know, there's a small number that, but but they're passionate about the NBA. I mean, they can't get enough of it. It's like the 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 kids that live here in Central Indiana that are into the EPL, you know, or or, or that the, the Arsenal soccer and and mm-hmm. and Liverpool, whatever. They're passionate about it. Right? They're up Saturday mornings at the pubs here, listening to Greg Rakestraw, and you know, th- th- talk soccer. I mean, they're passionate. You know, they're wearing the jerseys and the the kits and whatever. It's the same thing over there. You know, it's almost like it's it's different. You know, but it but it is the same thing. And I think for Nike to earmark Paul uh, to do it in London was was brilliant. I mean, because okay. think about it, they have a lot of debuts of shoes in either Atlanta or L.A. or maybe at, at one of the top major uh, licensed shows in Vegas or something like that where they fly in Shaquille O'Neal or people and have a big thing uh, with Sage Steel and all that stuff. Uh, this was different, and this was, you know, kids uh, from the streets of London that, that were there and, and excited about it, and, you know, and, and it, it grows. And now all of a sudden, you know, they feel, like, hey, this show debuted, this shoe debuted here. You know, it didn't debut in the States. It debuted here. And maybe those kids will remember seeing Paul. Absolutely. And so it, it, the fact that they could, quote-unquote, touch him mm-hmm. brings yeah. brings them closer to him and maybe gives them more affinity for a guy like Paul down the road. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's what um, I think that's what made Arnold Palmer, you know, one of the most beloved athletes of any sport ever. And he wasn't the best in his sport. And he, he would say that. But he – someone once said Arnold Palmer – Loved being Arnold Palmer. He loved when you came up and asked him for an autograph. He loved when you come up and said, Arnie, you just want to say I get a quick picture. I was there at Cherry Hill when you did this, blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah. He loved that. And I think when you as a, a high-profile coach or athlete get that, because it's not going to be there forever for, for most of them. You know, I can remember our receivers, Duper and Clayton, uh, would complain about getting bothered by fans down in Miami. And then when just a few more years, years after they were out of football, they'd walk the streets and nobody knew who they were, and they wanted to be recognized. So uh, fame is fleeting. and uh, But if you treat people right, they'll remember that, and I think they, they, they see what you're like. And that's one thing I like about this Pacers team. They're generally you, – you, you're there every day. You're in the locker room. They're really a good group of guys. I mean, there aren't any knuckleheads on the team. There really are nice guys, and I think the more you can get – fans to taste that or see that or feel it or experience it, uh, th- that can only be good for us. Eddie, I appreciate you sitting down with me here today. Anytime, my friend. Uh, I always enjoy talking to you, and I'm telling you, uh, I remember first meeting you. You were an intern for us with Kravitz and Eddie about 100 years ago, and uh, so proud Fun of show. you. Oh, it was a great show. I think it's the world's it's greatest. Great. It was the best 
sports show in the history of Indianapolis. Let's just call it what it is. Uh, but uh, <laughs> you, you're uh, you're you're going to be like the next Bob Costas or Jimmy Roberts or something like that. You got so much going for you, so much talent, and uh, we wish you the best. But uh, anytime you need me, uh, I'm here. I appreciate it. You can listen to Eddie White about 30 minutes probably following every single Pacer game. It's Pacers Overtime Extravaganza, the world's greatest post-game show. Eddie White, thank you. Thank you.